Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Welcome you to this episode of What's the Truth. Today, my guest is Walter Reeves. How are you doing, Walter? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, so tell me, tell me what's been going on. What you you've been having a, you've been having an issue with your your law firm and and scaling, as I understand. Um, yes. Yeah, I've been, I'm a criminal defense attorney in Waco, um, and I've been been in practice for a long time, um, and have pretty well been stuck. Um, at the same place for a number of years. Um, and it's really been um, the last, probably ever since the pandemic hit, um, we've actually been doing better. Um, okay. And we're, um, we're actually getting more and more slammed. Um, and so it's really, I've always, um, it's always been a problem of scaling. I've just never, um, been real comfortable with bringing on additional people and hiring additional people. Um, I brought on somebody last year, um, which was a really good hire, and that's really got us sort of where we're going. But um, I need to get to the next level because in five years, uh, I want to still be practicing law, but I don't really, but I want somebody else to be doing all the work. Okay. So I want to ask you a really serious question. And um, whenever I find somebody who's been stuck for a period of time and the answer to the, the breakthrough, like uh, systematically is obvious, you need to, you need to scale the business, but you're not doing that. The question that comes up for me is for whatever unconscious reason, you're not doing it. Absolutely no judgment, but with whatever reason it is, are you, do you want the, the, do you want the breakthrough? Do you want the success that you say that you want more than holding on to whatever reason it is that you're uncomfortable with scaling? Um, I mean, I, I think the answer is yes. Um, I just, I haven't demonstrated that in the past. Okay. All right. So let's, let's kind of go down that road and see what's there. Okay. You said you, you're uncomfortable with scaling the business or hiring people. What makes you uncomfortable in, in that? It's, yeah, and it's not, I mean, it's the hiring process. Um, I mean, I think it, it really all boils down to the, boils down to money for the most part. Um, I mean, hiring is part of it because I've um, made some hires before and they haven't worked out real well. Um, um, I mean, the one I've recently made has worked out well. Um, but it's, I mean, most of the time it comes down just to an issue of, money because that's um, I like like to hold on to it and not spend it okay so you're talking about money to be able to pay an employee yes all right Um, when you say you like to hold on to it and not spend it do you you understand that scaling correctly will allow you to make more money or it should anyway Um, it's I mean, theoretically, I understand that, yes. Um, and I've actually started to experience that probably in the last uh, four or five months. 
um, um, but yes, I mean, theoretically, yes, I understand that. So what part that's not theoretic do you have a problem with? I mean, it's just always, I think, the underlying fear that um, I'm not going to have enough money coming in to, to meet payroll and to pay my expenses and to pay myself. When, if, you, if you're hiring strategically, are you hiring first to increase the income or are you hiring to help you manage day to day? I mean, my next hire is going to be, um, needs to be managed day to day. The, what, what about the one that you just hired? Is that a potential increase in income for the firm? Um, actually, it was. I mean, it started off as, as um, a hire to, to help with the day-to-day work, and it really turned out to be a hire that's increased business because um, basically I hired, I hired for a paralegal, and I ended up with a really good marketing salesperson. Okay. That's good. That's a good thing. If you were to again make a hire to help increase the revenue coming in, what would that hire be? What what position? It'd either be um, an associate uh, attorney or a contract attorney or a paralegal or maybe even both. Okay. Do you have the ability to fulfill all the service that would be sold? Um, if, it incre- if it increased, you know, in a nice way? Uh, yes. Okay. You mean as far as work for them to do? Um, well, so okay. you have to fu- you have to fulfill the the contracts that you sell, right? Yes. So yes. that I mean that's more work than just selling it. Somebody has to do the work to fulfill those obligations, and that's what I'm asking. Do you have the the bandwidth to be able to do that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think we actually have. I mean, it's yeah, we actually have enough right now that would keep somebody busy for for a while. Okay. So then, so then if you know that the person would increase the business and you have a strategy for that, where is it that you're hesitant in stopping? Because you'd have the ability to pay the person. And in the worst case scenario, if you got into a situation where you couldn't pay a person, you'd have to lay them off like any other company would. And there's, there's nothing wrong in that. You know, when we hire someone, people understand that it's a, it's a job, you know, and jobs come and go, companies come and go, uh, revenue comes and goes. So there's, there's like, there's no shame in having to lay somebody off if, if whatever you did didn't work and you couldn't afford to keep the person on any longer. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just always that sort of doubt and fear that, um, that I'm just, um, that I'm not going to have the work form or that I'm not going to have the money coming in. Well, that would be the, the idea would be that you'd hire somebody that would bring more work in, not that you would have to supply them with work, but they would bring the work in. So it's a self-sustaining idea. Like all the, all the attorneys that I've worked with over the years, this is a common problem that they run into. And part of the problem is that they, they have a deep need to control their environment. It makes them feel out of control when there's other circumstances that they're not necessarily being responsible for. So if you're hiring somebody to do bring in more business, you're responsible for bringing the person in, but they're responsible for doing the work. And that work is directly 
directly affects the bottom line and other people in the company. So, you know, a, a truth area is that that's a growth, that's a growth place for you to be able to move into trusting them, holding that person accountable and dealing with your own emotions that uh, feel uncertain around that, because that's the next place that you have to grow. Um, yeah. And control is, um, yeah. I mean, I think that's sort of an underlying factor um, just because I've sort of, yeah, I don't know. I'm, maybe it's just, a, maybe it's, Seems like a lot of lawyers have it, but it's like we think that we're the only people that can do something and nobody can do it as, as good as us. And we hate to like hand that off to somebody else. And, and so, I've definitely got that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you've done a lot of, a lot of uh, personal growth work over the years. That is the next growth phase for you. So when somebody, when somebody has to control everything in some way in their mind, it's keeping them safe. It's um, control is a pattern or over control is a pattern that's de usually developed in childhood around the loss of the feeling of not having control in your youth. So you develop that pattern as a survival uh, mechanism or pattern to go into your adulthood. But then when you, you know, it's, it may have saved us in our youth, but once we become adults, it usually becomes dysfunctional because it doesn't scale into an adult life. Um, and that's when we start having problems. But to recognize that that's the issue, the idea behind it is this, whatever control does to make you feel certain and safe about yourself, you have to find a way to get that need met differently than control because ultimately that just infarcates on your life and it takes away what you truly desire to have. Um, yeah, I don't think I ever really, I mean, I've sort of been looking at it as a money issue and it may not be a money issue. It's not a money issue. Uh -oh. It's never a money issue. Money is a symptom of another problem. If, we, if a person has a, a money problem in their life, it's a symptom of something else is not working correctly. So then the question is, what is that? Um, yeah, when I say money, I mean, I more thought, I was, I was more thinking along the lines of just like the sort of the fear of not having it. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it probably, I mean, I, I hadn't really looked at it as a control issue. Um, that's why this is called what's the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, that's uh, because, yeah, looking back, that's sort of the big hang up I've always had is, is um, being, uh, being concerned that things aren't going to get done the way I want them to do or as well as I get them done. And um, I mean, sort of intellectually, I know that, um, they're probably going to get done better um, and that I can't do everything um, and still be able. I mean, there's certain things I do really, really well um, and I could probably do a lot better job if I just focused on those and let somebody else do those other things that I don't absolutely. do very well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And listen, that doesn't really come natural for anybody. I mean, it is something that any business owner or entrepreneur has to learn. You know, I mean, one of the reasons that you're in business for yourself, I would imagine, is the the freedom of it. You know, that you can you can call your own shots uh, the way that you the way that you want. 
the um, uh, the problem behind it is that if you don't recognize that it's a control issue, if you keep making it something else, it will never change. I don't care how many seminars you go to or coaches you hire, it just won't change. You have to get that need met in a different way. Because listen, if anybody can scale, if anybody else can scale a law firm, you can. It, you know, it, it's, it's not rocket science. It's work, it's strategy, it's intelligence, it's discipline, it's all those things. But it's been done many times you know, many times over, it's not an if. And the idea, and here's the thing about earning money. Earning money is a cause and effect situation. There's no mysticism about it. We know exactly what to do to earn money. And we also know exactly what causes it to stop coming in to a business. So if we focus on the causes, instead of letting our mind run into an imaginary place of what if it's not there, which is a common fear that most people have because most people don't understand money and most people are raised with the idea, oh, money could just go away, you know, at any time, not understanding that, oh, I'm the one that's causing the money to come in by the strategies that I create and the actions that I take, um, the people that I hire, the systems that I set up. And if I do those diligently, it'll always come in. If I don't do those diligently, I'll have ups, ups and downs in my business. I'll look at other problems that, I may think are causing it to happen and I'll blame, but it's not. It's cause and effect. In any company, it's cause and effect as to the amount of money that comes in, how much and how frequent it comes into the business. And anybody can learn how to do that. So when our mind is starting to go down rabbit holes where it's imagining things going wrong, if we bring ourselves back to the truth, which is every single thing that I can think of that can go wrong, I can also think of what is the strategy to make sure that it goes right. And that's what I need to stick to as a business owner and then make the plans to do that. You also said something that's really brilliant. You should only be doing the things that you're brilliant at and that you love to do. And you hire other people to do everything else. Um, yeah, I think that's... Um... Yeah, I just need to put in a strategy for doing that now. The first strategy is to determine how you're going to get a feeling of certainty in yourself. So that because if you go because we after we do this, after we do this call, if you go right back to feeling uncertain and you don't have a plan to get out of that, it, it won't change. So the idea is what is it, what is it about giving up control that bothers you? How does that make you feel? when you think of even having to give up control? Uh, I mean, I think it's, it's mainly, um, I mean, pri primarily um, um, just a sort of a fear or concern that things aren't gonna get done properly. Um, and then the other part of it is that I'm, uh, I haven't had a lot of success in, managing people that I have when I've tried to bring on people before it hadn't worked out well um and so um and I mean that's um I mean I know that's all on me and I can change that just by uh, well okay. let's let's go let's go let's see what the root of this is let's look for the truth here if if things didn't go let's just say you, you hired these people and things didn't get done properly what happens then I mean, I've got bad, I mean, I've got upset and angry clients. Okay. And if you had upset and angry clients, what would that mean to you? 
I mean, I take a lot of, um, I mean, I hold on to, to reputation and I mean, I get a, a lot more, um, I mean, my rep, reputation is pretty important to me. So I get a lot more out of that than I probably should. Um, okay. So, yeah. So it means that you're risking your reputation? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to, let's just keep going with this. What does it mean to you if your reputation becomes not good? Um, I mean, I sort of feel like a failure. Um, I mean, I've, I'm, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people like to be liked and I really like to be liked. True. Uh, and, True. and even more so, I like to be, I mean, I've, I've worked really hard to get a really good, like, reputation and, um, like, people look at me sort of in a certain way and um, I don't want to lose that. Okay. Let's keep going. So it, it would it would make you feel like a failure. What does it mean to you if you're a failure? Uh, um, I mean, since my self-worth is sort of tied up in being really good at this, um, yeah, yeah, just like not, um, I don't know, sort of maybe, I mean, it's almost like I've wasted 40 years of, of doing something if I, if I can't do it well. Okay. And if you did find out that you wasted 40 years of doing something, why would that be so bad? I mean, it probably wouldn't be bad to anybody other than me. Well, let's just stick with you because you're the one having the experience. So tell me why it would be so bad from, from your perspective in, in your own life. Um, just because um, me, just self-concept, self-worth. Um, I mean, just... Um, Would it make you feel kind of worthless? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, definitely, yeah. Okay. And if you felt worthless, why would that be so bad? Or what would that mean to you if you felt worthless? Um, yeah, good question. I mean, um, I've sort of tied up my whole life, and it seems like in, uh, in you know, in trying to foster a certain image and um, um, like wanting people to, to, to like me and to, to feel good about me. So, um, yeah, I mean, I probably would feel like I really just didn't really have any place. Um, All right. So I want you to think about this for a second, because what we, what we just did is a deep dive into your core wound. And that's the place that inside of most people that needs to be healed in order to change an external behavior pattern that is persisting in our life. So you have this, you have a core wound of feeling worthless and you've, your strategy around that in life has been to do things in a way where you get the reflection back from others that you are worth something. But that's a very, that's a very vulnerable place to be because if they ever withdraw that, you go back down to being worthless again. So you're not really owning your own worth. You're, you're working to earn it from other people. The whole key here is that you own it because when you own it, nobody based on their behavior can ever take it away from you. That's what allows a person to be able to emotionally risk doing other things so that they can advance themselves forward. Because every time we do anything in life that's substantial, we're risking. We're going to have wins and we're going to have failures. And we learn from the failures and then turn those into wins. But if we're so emotionally volatile under the surface, 
We go into control. Once we figure out a way that we're getting that need met, we go into control so that it never goes away again because it, if it goes away, it's just too painful for us to deal with. So the idea is, is that you have to work on your self-worth to change this pattern. You have to really own your own worth. Um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think I've sort of recognized that. I don't, I like, don't know that I've ever addressed it as directly as that. Um, but yeah, I've, I mean, I've done some work towards just kind of looking back at sort of where all that comes from. And, um, well, it could come from a million places in our childhood. It all, it all depends on how we were raised, what we experienced, how it was internalized, and what patterns did we develop to overcome it and get through our childhood. Because one of the things about a child that's different than an adult is that we really don't have any power as a child. So we have to adapt ourselves to whatever situation that we're in in order to make it through. And if there's any dysfunction there at all, we usually go down to one or two personality traits that make us feel somewhat secure to be able to make it through. But then that becomes a pattern in our, for our whole life. And that's when it's not good because we're not versatile. So if you're going to work on your self-worth, you have to find a way to internalize the idea that you are worthy just because of who you are. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? What are your spiritual beliefs? Can I ask? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I've got some pretty strong spiritual beliefs. Um, I'm pretty, um, yeah, it's, that's pretty important to me. Okay. Do you believe in God or universe or spirit? What is your your thing? Uh, yeah, I definitely believe in God. Okay. I'm like, I'm uh, I'm like a dyed-in-the-wool Catholic. Okay, uh, great, great, great. I was raised Catholic also. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you something. Uh, it'll be in the recording, so you don't have to worry about writing it down now, but you can. Um. This is, a, this is a, a really beautiful statement that will help you with your self-worth because part of the problem that we also have uh, when we're raised is we never take our authority back from the people that had authority over us when we were kids. So that could be parents, it could be the priest, it could be a nun, it could be a teacher. All the people that have authority over you kind of determined who you were. And the truth is, is that if you, if you give God back that authority fully, you take on a completely different self-worth. The truth about you is so lofty that nothing unworthy of God is worthy of you. Choose then what you want in these terms and accept nothing that you would not offer to God as wholly fitting for him. I, um, yeah, I heard you say that in one of our, in a, in a meeting and, um, yeah, that's, that struck a chord with me. You have, you have the right to your own worth because that's giving, given to us divinely. Not, it, it is not a culmination of your past. It's not a culmination of behavior. And it's not a culmination of what you do right now. It's your divine right to be worthy. You were put here with a purpose to do something because you're worth it already. And yeah. I think you really... Like that needs to be a mantra for you every day so that you rebuild that worth and not project it out onto other people so that you can fully do everything that you really want to do in life. I mean, if you do that, it'll change everything. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's a great, yeah, that, I, mean, I can definitely see that. 
Actually, it's, actually, I can see that it's not a, it's not very spiritual to not believe that if you're. If you're yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, it's said in many ways in different religions. You know, your personal relationship with God, your your devotion, whatever it is that a person comes from, the idea is that you realize that God, in the way you everybody thinks about it individually, put us here for a very specific purpose because we're already worthy of it. Now we do have to grow, but that doesn't change our worth. But it's our obligation to grow. It is our obligation to grow. It is. That's it. So you have to leave the patterns of your childhood behind and you need to decide who you are in that virtue for yourself. And I promise you, it'll change everything like night and day. When you no longer need to get your worth from human beings and you're solid in it, there's nothing a human being can do that tears your worth down. And that's real freedom right there. Um, yeah, that's really helpful. Great. Thank you for coming on. I hope this helped. Yeah, it definitely did. And anything that we can do for you in your future, just ask. I uh, will definitely do that. It was a pleasure, Walter. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to be considered as a guest for this show, please text TRUTH to 469-447-7775. Again, text TRUTH to 469-447-7775.